Okay, good morning, everyone. We're laughing because, hi, Chris. We're laughing because um, I got the short stool because Jenny wants to be taller than me. <laughs> uh, my name is Catherine. I'm one of the members of the teaching team. Jenny to my right, Wayne to my, no, the other way. Yeah, the other right, thank you. Um, and Brian was also part of the series, but he uh, is in Tucson, Arizona for the next two weeks, so he won't be part of this. So, uh, as Martha said, uh, the last time we had an in-depth series, we followed it up with a wrap-up, and uh, we just finished an in-depth series on the Trinity, so we're following it up with a wrap-up. While uh, we're, I'll, I'll speak briefly in, the, in a little bit, well, I'm already speaking, never mind, stop it, Catherine. <laughs> what you'll see on the screen behind you is, A, if you just can't take it anymore from the teachers, this visuals, all of these visuals up here are uh, images that artists have created uh, depicting the Trinity. And they are, th uh, throughout time, they represent uh, different nations as well. So they're pretty interesting to look at. So if we get boring, feel free to just raise your eyes and hang, up out, hang out up there. The other thing I was going to say is the reason we've canceled the conversation for today is because this is going to be a conversation. And um, if you've never attended the conversation, this will be a good introduction because it's kind of like this, where you get to ask questions, give us your comments, uh, what insights did you gain from the Trinity, what, ask, what, what did you learn, what what came up for you as we went through the series. You can also give us advice like, hey, next time, guys, you know, it'd be better if you... We take it. We can handle it. Don't be so heretical. What? That's a heretical to take advice? Okay. So I'm going to give a really quick review. Because uh, I'm pretty sure nobody except the three of us were at all six weeks. So Brian, start, Brian White started us off with an overview of the Trinity how the, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is the core doctrine of Christianity, and how, uh, that we use different ways, and through history we've used different ways to describe the Trinity verbally. And we've also used some object lessons. Uh, the church has water, ice, steam, the shamrock, an egg. And then uh, Brian showed us this clever uh, video, which was hosted by St. Patrick himself, and we learned that these objects these ways that we've been uh, talking about the Trinity over time, uh, often end up making the Trinity uh, a bizarre mathematical problem to solve and take us away from understanding what the essence of the Trinity is. So that was week one. Week two and three, I spent two whole weeks talking, talking about the first 300 years of the church. I've been taking a little bit of ribbing for that, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> And, and we talked in that time about how Christianity began to see itself as separate from its Jewish roots, how the church had to answer, begin to answer some questions. What is Christianity's relationship to the Jewish writings? What writings, because lots were being written at that time, are, are authoritative? How should a church be organized? Who gets to speak for the church? And we saw that the church remained uh, cohesive despite um, persecution and competing belief systems. And we also saw how outside trends and forces required the church to develop consensus around core ideas. And then I shared uh, how the Nicene Creed came to be. Then Wayne came up, and he, uh, the fourth week, 
he shared with us about the relational aspect of the Trinity, moving us away from theoretical thinking and how we are invited to participate in the cosmic dance. And he also gave us some ideas on prayer using chant, the breath prayer, and body prayer. And then Ginny shared on her introduction to Celtic Christianity and its Trinitarian emphasis and what that has meant to her and how specifically uh, Trinitarian prayer has informed her prayer life. And again, moving us from theory to experience. And then last week, uh, was, uh, there were some thoughts from me as I shared my understanding, my growing understanding of the transforming love of the three-in-one God and how that gives hope to the world. Hold on. Yeah, that's pretty much it in summary. So now it's you guys. Uh, you can raise your hand or you can just shout out. After you ask your question or make your statement, I'm going to uh, restate it so that it's heard for the online people, if that's okay. Or I can run and give you the mic, whichever you prefer. I know you guys have so many questions or comments. We did not account for those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, James. Okay, so the question is, how does this concept of mystery and trinity, how did that uh, impact us as we were diving deeper into the three-in-one God? Funny you should ask. I may have a quote on mystery that really stood out to me in my study. Also, uh, of course, I drank too much coffee again before coming up here, so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Never worries. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, so this, um, in preparation for my Sunday, I spent a lot of time uh, in divine dance. Uh, I really have a little man crush, theological man crush on uh, Richard Rohr, as many of you know. Um, and actually, this, this quote stood out to me in that book, and... Yeah, here we go, James. Uh, remember, mystery isn't something that you cannot understand. It is something that you can endlessly understand. There's no point at which you can say, I've got it. Always and forever, mystery gets you. And I I'm just going off the keyword mystery there, James. I might even be kind of veering away from your question. But I think for me, uh, the reason this particular quote stands out uh, is it is an invitation to remain curious and to suspend judgment, to not be so certain that I've got uh, the formula figured out or the right word somehow to attribute to the maker of the universe. And so to, to approach and embrace and interact with mystery from a open-handed place, to me it makes it even bigger. It, it, um, I have a lot less uh, answers in my head. I still have the tendency as a teacher 
Uh, and a former classroom teacher, I still have that tendency to want to give like the answer. But I think the idea of learning how to embrace that mystery um, is teaching me to trust and participate as opposed to um, observe and anticipate, if that makes sense. And just, it like gives me, it gives me permission to just kind of be in the presence and be in that moment. Um, it's really weird to tell you guys as a teacher, um, like I'm finding comfort in saying that I don't know or in just saying like the mist, like, I don't know. My dad, when, 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 when he would talk about these topics, he would always go to this one phrase. He probably just made it up anyways, but um, <laughs> he would always say, oh, like, you know, like a good rabbi, you know, like, let's just have the good rabbi answer. Like, that's God. That's God. And so he kind of like set that stage for me, like just to be okay with like, hey, I guess that's God. Um, but I think really stepping into the Trinity and really um, not, in, not wanting to just know, that's and it's kind of another one of uh, Roar's points in the book, like not, not just wanting to know more about the Trinity, but like to want to know how to love the Trinity more and experience that love and allow that love to transform my response, my answers, my actions, like all of that, right? But it's, there's so much mystery there, and I'm a words person. I want to try to figure out all the words to explain it, but yeah, just learning how to embrace it. I don't even know if I answered your question, bro. But I do like you. <laughs> yeah, I would love to read that quote one more time. Thank you, sir. Sir with access to wisdom. Remember, mystery isn't something that you cannot understand. It is something that you can endlessly understand. There is no point at which you can say, I've got it. Always and forever, mystery gets you. I think uh, for me... The whole concept of mystery, I'm, I lean toward Enneagram 5, so I like answers and I like research. But um, when it comes to God, I don't know, have you all seen a um, movie called Groundhog's Day? <laughs> yeah. Um, most of my life, I was of the opinion that I could figure out God and that I could find all the answers. And it was sort of like Groundhog's Day. You get really good at that aspect of the day. But... There's also the gnawing feeling inside that there's so much more. And I think throwing away certainty or at least laying it aside and embracing the mystery of the new unfolding every morning and God's love and God's um, mercies and the creative force of God continuing to reveal itself in new and exciting ways every day. Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So for an Enneagram 5 to say I, I love the mystery of it and the, the idea that I never will understand it all and becoming increasingly more comfortable with that, um, that's one of the things I got out of this for me anyway there. Uh, for me, it was like, um, for A, I echo what these two guys say because they're really smart and I trust what they say. But for me, it's been like um, the way my relationship with the Bible has changed. I w grew up in, a, you know, you, you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what the Bible's telling you to do. And that was good enough until I had got on the teaching team. Like, whoa, there's so much more about Scripture. And there, this is infinitely interesting. And so it makes you just want to dive in more and more and more. And so it, for me, the Trinity has been the same thing. 
wow, there's so much more to the Trinity than the Nicene Creed, which is all I thought I needed to know. And now the Trinity is infinitely interesting and makes me want to dive in more. Yeah, Trey. Thanks, Trey. So he mentions, I'm saying this for the online people, that uh, when we talked about the Nicene Creed and went a deep dive into that, that uh, understanding what's, that that was an attempt, but not the final word on what Christianity is, and that the the things that were not said in the Nicene Creed are as important in many ways as what was said, and it's those things that we're living out every day. And I think I'm going to try to give the mic to the next person who answers a, asks a question because you kind of preached a little mini sermon there, Trey, and we missed it. Thanks. Well, I could have just shouted my question out. Um, one of the things or themes, I guess, that kept um, tugging at me throughout the series was this idea of dependency or, or maybe interdependency of the Trinity. Um, so my my question for you <clears throat> is: It seems like our infection um, in our current place in this world and culture is a focus on independence. And so, what's the antidote? <laughs> I often go first. I'm totally down going first. But do you want to go, friend? Yeah, do it. Well, I think part of that is realizing who we are and who we're not. Um, if you even think about how very dependent we are on, on the goodness of God, even to the extent that we breathe and what we breathe, um, if you really think about that, we are not independent at all. And I think our notion of, de- of independence is part of our false self. And laying that down and realizing who we actually are and who we were meant to be and to try to get back to the garden where there was that complete uh, dependence on God in an unbroken relationship. Um, You know, how do we do that? It's really a day-by-day laying down of ourselves. Um, But I think the important thing as I'm babbling along here is to realize who we are, you know, and how arrogant is it of me to say, 
I am independent. I don't need you. I don't need God. I don't need anything. I am sufficient unto myself. Great. Except I can't control the next minute. Um, so it's just kind of looking truth square in the eye and embracing who we are and being okay with that. So thankful you went first. Um, yeah. I'm going to start, start from that. That's, that's really important. So I think the, the ego work, the shadow work, the getting in there and finding out your own patterns and uh, ways that you deal with the world. Uh, uh, specifically, I, I, I use the Enneagram as a practitioner, and I would say that it is a fantastic tool that helps you see um, where you are uh, with an illusion, with illusionary power, trying to maintain control and trying to, to be the, the narrator of your own story. So I think that's absolutely where it starts. And then I'm going to go back to Divine Dance and even kind of piggyback on your last sermon um, and some of the things that you were bringing up from, from Roar. Um, Roar makes a statement regarding this particular book, Divine Dance, and he says that um, if Christians understood the Trinity more, that we would no longer have racism, sexism, classism. We wouldn't have that um, entering into our existence, into our church. And so I think the invitation to, um, to really sit and contemplate and be with this idea that at the center of it all, at the center of the universe, at the center of creation, at the center of that space between matter is relationship itself. So, like, at the core of all things is relationship. Like, you have this, this being that's in, in a dance that's constantly submitting to itself, um, which, you know, I, I, I can't bring that up without having to bring up this idea of humility because if, if you're always receiving from someone else, man, as someone, as someone who's been on that end a lot, it's, it's, it's heavy, right, when you're constantly receiving from someone. So imagine that the center of the universe, like the, the, the divine dance, is this all-powerful being that is constantly submitting itself, constantly giving, constantly receiving. Like there's the invitation to look at what the fabric of the universe is like, what the shape of the universe is like, what the heart of God is like, and I think that that combats independence. I was raised, as you in the middle there, were in the middle of um, strict Bible, this is the way it is, um, and anticipating the holidays with family members that are pastors and in ministry in that vein, how do you personally struggle or ha have you struggled I want to talk about what I've been learning here and and in my growth, and I'm scared to open my mouth because I want to have a nice Christmas and nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I also love and admire the people that I will be with, and it's a time to share. So as I strive to keep my mouth shut, how do you as you come across people that are not in the same vein of belief that you're in, how do you keep, how do you interact? How do you share but without, I don't know if that's a good question, if that's clear. 
Um, I, I, I write out everything I believe. I put it on the floor, and then I grab their face, and I just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I just want to jump in really quick, and I, I want to hear what these ladies have to say for sure, but I'll give you something that works for me and something that my students have really appreciated, um, and it's the Columbo tactic. Do you remember Columbo? Yeah. So um, what do you mean by that, and how did you come to that conclusion? So people that have, people that have strong opinions about things, we didn't just wake up that way, right? It's a series of events or experiences or studies or whatever it may be, and so how did you come to that conclusion? So maybe they're talking about God, right? And, and always asking for, like, what do you mean by that? I find out a lot um, when it comes to Christian talk that we're all using really similar language. And more often than not, I don't believe in the pagan God that they believe in. They're not going to be talking about this. <laughs> they're not going to be talking about any of this. Gotcha. Yeah. So th- those would be my two questions to throw out. And then I'm sure there's infinite wisdom over here. Not me, but Ginny. Uh, I, I've struggled with this myself, um, and I have to remember that at one point I was, I was the person on the, the other side of the table that I t- today would have difficulty talking to. Um, but one of the things I learned from Bob Harper, who was the founding pastor of our, the Vineyard Church that we grew out of, is he said we all share the same values. We all looking for love, security, uh, all different values that we share. He had five values, and I can't remember what they were. But when I'm ta- someone's talking to me and I'm disagreeing with what they say, I have to ask myself, why, are, why is this important to them? What value is coming to the forefront when they say these things? And it's a value I share because we all share the same values. And then I, uh, I say, it sounds like you're talking about this. Have you ever thought about it seeing that that value could also be upheld in this way from the Bible? And I'm trying to find common ground as opposed to saying you're wrong and I'm right, because it actually could be the other way around just as easily. And because Wayne has been so helpful with his facet of the diamond, we're all looking at the same thing but seeing it from different perspectives. So for me, I can't think of anything worse than a fallout at the holidays over something that, you know. So recognizing that you share, there's something in common that you just see differently for me, is helpful and sometimes helps me temper my own thoughts. I think the value of a good question is important. Um, And, you know, what do you mean by that? Said in a nice way. (laughs) What do you mean by that? No, but asking, you know, coming to a common definition so you actually know what you're talking about is a good way to start. Um, And another way is to say... I am struggling with or I am wondering something. And if you put it in terms of your own questions, sometimes that takes some of the angst out of it. Um, But the other thing is the gift of being with people that you don't agree with. There is so much to be learned if you listen. Um, Not necessarily facts, but you learn more about that person 
what is driving them and what is making them the way they are. And if this is someone you love and someone you are in relationship with, uh, sometimes it's worth just listening and making that safe space so that maybe you can have a deeper conversation on another day. But first, listen. I want to throw one more thing out. I'm reminded of uh, where this conversation often goes when I'm doing like pastoral work. Uh, and um, coming into the holidays, coming into family members and to people that we have these strange relationships with and often differing worldviews, um, there is nothing wrong with just objectively like counting the cost before you go into these situations. Um, I love to remind all of us and myself that our phones just tell us without shame, like when they need to go to low power mode, when they need to be like turned down. Um, some of us have relatives or friends who are like 10 minute friends or 10 minute relatives. And I can, I can be fully present with you for about 10 minutes. But after that, I'm probably going to be in a state of reactivity and it's gross when I'm there. And so if I come into it kind of knowing that ahead of time and um, because if not, then I'm kind of, for me personally, the way I'm wired, I'm kind of sitting there feeling trapped with somebody. Um, so just kind of knowing what your limit is as well uh, is really important. I think that just for all of us, and no shame in that, you know, no shame in, in saying somebody that I love, I can only interact with them for 10 minutes before I don't love them. <laughs> so just for what it's worth. <laughs> hey. Um, so... I feel like you've you've kind of talked about talked around this a lot. Um, you know, one one theme or big idea I've heard in this series is, you know, moving from okay, not just head knowledge understanding of the Trinity, but living into it, right, and and experiencing it, seeing it. And I'm really curious to hear from you guys, even during this series, on a very like grounded day to day level. Are there any ways that new insights or moments that your eyes have been open to that Trinitarian dance in your life right in front of you um, during this series? Like on a very kind of practical day-to-day level, like what, what does this look like? What are the implications? Does that make sense? Guess what? I got a quote about that. <laughs> I love having a real teacher on the team. Um, before I read this quote, uh, thank you for that question. And it, it makes me go back also to um, Cynthia Bourgeau and her definition of contemplation. And she says that contemplation um, is wisdom obtained when the head is in the heart. Uh, or wisdom that is impregnated with love. Uh, And that already is a quote that you could sit with for years, right? But to me, that that tells me at least having to be thoughtful and intentional about being present so that I can kind of access that space. Um, And then after that quote, I will practically tell you how I'm trying to practice that. Um, So this, again, is from Roar from the Divine Dance. Uh, Knowing without loving is frankly dangerous for the soul and for society. You'll critique most everything you encounter and even have the hubris to call this mode of reflexive cynicism thinking. 
whereas it's really your ego's narcissistic reaction to the moment. You'll position things too quickly as inferior or superior, with me or against me, and most of the time you'll be wrong. I like this because as a teacher for so long, um, I emphasize knowing, <laughs> and I miss the point a lot. And I think, again, uh, between kind of like Cynthia's uh, quote about, you know, needing to be present and, and take, taking the knowing into loving, um, where I've been trying to do this, I've, I've probably been failing more than I've been successful at this, but I'm currently, uh, I took on a, um, an assignment at the school district at a middle school in a really... Um, just a really chaotic special ed classroom uh, and I have a lot of students who are um, I have two students who are on house arrest in middle school with little ankle bracelets and I'm just I'm dealing with a lot of a lot of junk uh, and for me personally when I'm in those situations I can easily feel overwhelmed my ideals get challenged a lot I'm I see through the Enneagram type 7 lens so I'm very idealistic and think things should be a certain way and none of it is going the way that I think um, and in that moment, it's really quickly for me to be reactionary and label the system broken or this person broken or this person's this or this person's this. And I've been really good at it the last few weeks. Um, when I pause, when I can remember to pause um, and sit there, and I literally, so my practical response is, what does the Trinity look like right now? That's literally the question I'm asking myself. What, what does the Trinity look like with this kid, with with this situation, I have a, an assistant who's given up on my students. That energy is really hard for me, right? What does the Trinity look like? How does the Trinity speak to her? How does the Trinity speak to this kid? Um, I'm not going to pretend like I always get answers, but I think just stopping and pausing and inviting, inviting that stance, inviting that posture into the situation, um, I think that's what we... And I think, sorry, that's, that's passive. This is what we've been talking about the last few years when we talk about the third way or this other option, right? Like, I look at this scenario and I, I, I feel reactionary, right? And it's mammalian, it's fight, flight, freeze. But if I can pause, invite the breath, invite the spirit, and I can just ask, you know, again, I guess now I'm just repeating myself, but what does the Trinity look like in this situation? And sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it breaks my heart. Um, we, our families come off um, a rough six months, and so it was nice that this series was going on at the same time because it had lots of opportunities to, 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 to try to handle things differently. But in these situations where I find myself just in pain or worried about someone else or all the things that, you know, uh, feel like they're interfering with the great flow of life that I feel like I should be having all the time and not have to deal with all these problems, uh, I, I say to my, I, have, I, I try to stop and say to myself, what I'm seeing or experiencing is not the only thing that's happening in, right now. There's unseen things happening. And that I, I do try to pause and breathe and remember to pray and connect, reconnect myself to the Holy Ones so that I can then see this situation, what's happening from their eyes. We're so preconditioned to see reality from the, 
the way we've been taught to see it. You know, our, we're culturally conditioned, we're even conditioned religiously. This is how you look at this thing. But this, trini- this idea of this Trinitarian flow that I can actually, at any moment, realize that I'm still in it. Because I don't think we're ever separated from the Trinitarian flow. But because we're so preconditioned to look, or culturally conditioned, religiously conditioned, to look at the world around us a certain way, we miss God at work all the time in the world around us. And so for me, it's just been that stop and say, there's something bigger happening here. Something more is happening here. And that's what I try to keep in mind. Sorry. I like his answer better. I think for me, it makes me realize how far I am from it. And, you know, I, I tend to go down the rabbit hole of, you idiot, how could you, you know? But instead, looking at that, sort of like Thomas Edison and the light bulb, you know, I now know 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb, you know? Um, realizing that I'm pointing in the right direction. And there's always more. And there's always something I could do differently or better or whatever. But each failure is something I can build on. Um, I know a way not to react. And in the last three weeks, uh, we've... I work in a law office, as most of you know, and um, someone had the brilliant idea to migrate to the cloud, which I don't know what the cloud is. <laughs> I, I, have this, I have this terror that there's so much data up in the cloud that pretty soon it's going to get hard to walk, and when I breathe in, it's going to be someone's document. Um, that's how I think of the Internet. And... Um, the terrifying thing was I found myself in charge of the IT department in the last three weeks. <laughs> and yes, you do right to laugh. And the reason, because I, I tend to keep calm mostly, but on the Monday morning when we made the changeover to the cloud and had changed all of our software programs, um, I had the first day over 700 support calls. And um, I was fielding them. Yes, I took over seven. And I don't like phones. So um, it, it became a, a survival mode. Um, and trying not to let my sarcasm kick in too much, which I failed. And um, realizing that there are bigger things out there. And I'm not alone. And nobody died. That's what I kept telling myself. <laughs> Bigger things out there, I am not alone, and nobody died. It was a mantra. Um, And to realize that in my own halting, tripping way, that was a way to kind of tap into the Trinitarian flow. I didn't have time to find the right words. Um, But just that much was, it kept me sane, and uh, I didn't fire anybody, which... That's my first go-to. <laughs> you know, you're not happy? Well, out you go. Um, so it was an interesting couple weeks, but still, um, they are loved, I am loved, nobody died, and we're getting better at the new system, and things will get better. Um, but I think sometimes we can fall into the Trinity in desperation, and that's a good place to fall. So anyway. I'm babbling. 
this goes back to when you guys were talking about the need to realize that we're not really independent. Um, I'm not sure if this is quite a question you guys or anyone can answer, but why do you think us as humans feel this need to be independent all the time, this need to separate ourselves? Well, <laughs> you stumbled into Fantastic my one week of question. teaching. <laughs> I, I think it started in the garden. I think there was a moment where Adam and Eve were looking at the apple and the one rule they were given and thought, but if I eat that, I'll be like God. And the subliminal thing is, then I won't have to need him so much. And I think we deal with that every day. There's always that apple. Um, And, you know, this country, and I love our country, but we've not helped with our Declaration of Independence. You know, yes, it was for probably really good reasons, um, but when you build something on the foundation of, I'm not going to be like that anymore, that's kind of a dangerous foundation to build on, as opposed to, what do I want? What positive things do I want? And I think our founding fathers grappled with that a little bit. But um, independence is a value that is the core of our culture. And uh, it's not a positive one. And um, it's not a popular one to say, um, well, I don't think we should be independent. You know, that it, that's not going to get you invited to parties. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, hush. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think it has become so much a part of who we are. If you can look at commercials on TV, you know, almost every one of them uh, gives you the idea that you could be better if you took this thing or did that thing, then you wouldn't need other stuff. Um, And I think it's so sad because we do need each other. And, you know, that goes against the core of who I am, too, to admit that. But I am never going to be strong as a human being until I realize my weakness is my strength. So there you go. Other questions or, Other questions or comments? That was a really good question. It was a fantastic question, uh, sincerely. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's one I, I would imagine that we're all in here collectively wrestling with that question and the answer and our conclusions, for sure. So I'm keeping in mind that we have children's ministry and the blend. So I think we have time for one, if it's a quickish question or comment. Don't even act like I don't got more quotes. <laughs> you can talk with Wayne after the service. Well, I want to appreciate. I, I appreciate all of you who who are here this morning. I hope um, this was, um, I don't know, helpful. That's the word I'm looking. For. Enlightening. But anyway, I think we'll ask the band to come up, and we'll spare you any more of our babbling. Thank you all very, very much. Peace. Is this yours? <laughs> <laughs>